Cyber Synapse, the podcast that's creating connections through candid conversations about cyber issues. Sponsored by Agency, with your host, Kath Nibbs. Welcome to this week's episode. This week I'm joined by Lynn and we have quite an in-depth conversation regarding um, digital parenting, uh, especially with children who are in foster care or in the looked after system. And we kind of have a discussion about why why there needs to be um, much more research and education in this area. Um, it really, really is interesting. And we do, we do kind of talk a little bit about um, theory in this podcast. Um, and one of the things I wanted to do was just to um, kind of ta- start to talk about why, why I'm doing this podcast, what I want for the podcast over the next year or so. Um, so I've managed to set up uh, a Patreon page, as I, I said last week. Um, so you can now find that at patreon.com forward slash cyber synapse or go to Patreon and find my page on there using the, the phrase cyber synapse. Um, on Patreon, you can actually um, donate to me and, and the podcast so that A, I can pay my bills, uh, B, so that I can eat, uh, and C, so that I can continue doing this. Um, obviously, there's a lot more that I need to discuss about what I'm doing this year, and as of yet, I'm, I'm under an embargo, so I'm just keeping quiet about what I'm doing. Um, so this podcast is going to be for parents, for um, teachers, and one of the things I've become aware of over the last year is that parents aren't always able to pay for this kind of um, service. So you you can donate from a pound, uh, a dollar upwards, and one of the things that this will help me do is is actually start to have a few more conversations with people from around the world, and uh, maybe to go and travel and actually do some face-to-face interviews as well as the the ones that I currently do on Zoom. Um, And the way that I thought this would work would be uh, for people who do um, subscribe to donate, uh, uh, what I'll do is I'll have conversations and talk to you in depth a little bit more. So I'm going to start adding on to what it is that I actually do with the podcast, do a little bit of a replay around what some of the issues are, why I think that these issues um, can be looked at in in more depth. and hopefully we can have a much more in-depth conversation because quite often um, I add my pennies worth into the conversation and then afterwards sit down and have a bit of a reflection and think, okay, maybe this could be changed, maybe this could be different, maybe there are people who do this particular behaviour, this kind of education. Um, and I'm aware that, that this is something that lots and lots of people will probably want to buy into. And also one of the other things I'm going to do is just quickly talk about something that I talk to a lot of my friends about, um, or bore them, um, is uh, another podcast that, that's kind of cyber-based that I, um, I listen to, um, and it's called After On. Now, this is based on um, uh, a novel, and the novel is really interesting in terms of what might happen in terms of um, cyber-based issues. And this was one of the reasons... Um, I was interviewing um, Justin was because of the cyber ethics. Now, recently, I had my DNA tested um, for um, a genomic project in in a number of ways. I've had it done for more than one company for a number of reasons. Um, So the the kind of ethics that sit behind that is actually one of the episodes that After On discusses. Um, There's also much, much more about how technology can be used. And I think there's probably a synchronous um, parallel overlap maybe between 
what what the ethics are about and what I'm talking about in terms of what I see in my therapy practice and what I'm what I'm really trying to discuss with you as a parent, a practitioner, um, a clinical researcher, and and so on and so forth. Um, so I'm just going to tell you the podcast is called After On by Rob Reed. Um, I know it doesn't seem to be the done thing that podcasts tend to give big shout outs to other podcasts. Um, so I thought what I might start doing is telling you where some of my information comes from and then hopefully there will be much, much more that I can introduce you to because obviously uh, Rob Reed's done quite a few of these and they're, they're absolutely fantastic. They are, they are slightly more academic than this in terms of who he interviews and the conversations that he has. However, if you think that technology is far, far away and has many ideas um, and many myths, uh, perhaps that's the podcast for you alongside this one. Obviously, I don't want you to go away from this. Um, and perhaps, you never know, if I put it out there in the universe, I may be speaking to Rob Reed, I may get his input, I may get um, some other people around the ethics because that's one of the, the big areas, uh, the philosophy and ethics that I'm really, really interested in. Um, hopefully I've not taken up too much of your time today in the introduction. I just thought what I'd start to do is put a little bit more of me into the podcast rather than just um, turning up, recording the interview and leaving again and leaving maybe some of you hanging with a few questions. Um, obviously this is the part where I do the um, marketing and say don't forget to rate, subscribe. Um, also do the same for uh, other podcasts. That's how we get found. And this is one of the things that I'd like to do. I'd like to find some other podcasts as well. So retweet this, put my name in the, the retweet. So that's at Nibsy. And hopefully we will go forward and find out many, many more things around cyber-based issues. Take care and I hope you enjoy the episode. One. Welcome to Cyber Synapse. This week, I'm joined by Lynn Finlay. Lynn is a senior social worker with the Foster Care Cooperative. And as well as supporting foster carers, she's the agency's e-safety specialist and delivers training events on e-safety and digital parenting to foster carers across the country. She also writes a monthly blog about understanding your child's digital world and contributes to other magazines, which um, one of them is Ditto, which uh, I write for as well. And she writes for other organisations about e-safety and fostering. So, first of all, welcome, Lynn. Hi, Kath. Thanks for uh, having me. You're welcome. Um, one of the other things to say is, at this point in time, I've actually been interviewing lots and lots of people that I, I know. So, I, I know Lynn, um, and recently we attended a safeguarding conference together. Um, so, first of all, Lynn, why, why do you do what you do? Well, what a big question that is. Um, I think I'm just going to narrow that down because... Um, I've been a social worker for many years now, but it's only in the last four or five years I've been doing training. And that, I think, has reignited my passion for working with people from a different angle. Mm -hmm. And about four or five years ago, I started doing the online safety training and attended other courses such as through CEAP and other organisations. And, and it just sparked a passion in bringing the two things together, the social work, the training, and just helping others learn and I find they all really work well together mm -hmm. um, and yeah. especially working on the ground still as a social worker being able to do that offer training deliver training and specialize in a field that is just so massive at the moment um, yeah. yeah it really just fulfills everything 
Yeah. Um, yeah. So what, one of the things we decided that we might talk about on um, uh, today's episode is um, a, a blog that you wrote. So yeah. one of the things that um, is definitely at the forefront, and, and I'm just thinking in terms of what I've covered so far in the podcast, there is this gap in a lot of the education that doesn't cover you know, children who are fostered, children who are adopted, and children who are neat, which um, for listeners is yeah. in education, employment, or training. And that means that there's this big, big deficit of um, online safety training that seems to be missing for that group. Mm. But also, uh, the, there's something around the online safety stuff that we're doing for children who are in school. So I just thought about, where, where do you want to start with uh, the blog that you wrote, because uh, I think if if we kind of go through your blog, Lynn, it's it's yeah. got all the parts and partial parts and partial whatever whatever that means. Um, it's got all the bits in it that we're going to talk about. Yeah, well, if I put the blog <laughs> into context with the training for foster care cooperative, <clears throat> so I've done three um, training sessions on e safety in in the sense of programs, which we run every two years, and we felt that was a long time between the courses mm. to just leave it for. Our, our foster carers and, and staff and, and the young people so it was a case of how do we fill that gap in between the sessions so there was courses in 2015 2016 and I've just finished another block now in 2018 but it's it's a long time and things move so fast in the online world so yeah. the blog came about of let's fill that gap with something an update every month with something that's current that's relevant but that is linked to fostering so each month I pick a topic um, that's current, that's relevant, and research that for parents, carers, but also take that to the how does this affect foster carers and children who are looked after and mm. put that focus in that topic. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm I'm just thinking um one of the one of the reasons I'm wanting to cover this is because mm. um if we think about so <clears throat> I'm just gonna go back to a statement I made um at, at the conference we were at that that for me there is no there is no such thing as a vulnerable child, particularly mm. when it comes to the internet. Because for me, vulnerability is a verb; it's not a noun. So okay. the very fact that you are engaged in an activity online is the thing that makes you vulnerable, and mm. and that then that then creates this. Um, so we have the lists of whether it's a risk, a danger, a threat. Uh, actually, I think the very fact that children are engaged online is a vulnerability, but also. And, and I'm sure that you're going to go with me on this one slightly. It's also about the attachment style that a child has. And when you look at children who are looked after, who are fostered, they they have very different attachment styles. And obviously, this is this is the premise of uh, most of my theory, is it's about the attachment style. So I'm just thinking about what is it you find that's different about writing for foster carers than if you were writing for um, other parents, if you like. I think the the key word there is the unknown <clears throat> because when I have done work with parents because I used to do some work at my children's schools when they were younger mm -hmm. I used to be mm -hmm. safety governor so I've done sort of both sides and I think the difference is that big patch of the unknown for for, yeah. for birth parents you've parented your child from birth upwards you know their their risks their personality their vulnerabilities yeah. if we're going to use that word there isn't any gaps so if you decide at the age of 10, 11, they're getting a smartphone, you know that history or whatever decisions you're making in the offline world and in the online world. You know if it's safe for them to cross the road at 7 or they have to wait till the 13. Yeah. You've got that, that continuum. For our foster carers, there's that unknown. There's gaps missing. A child comes into mm. placement at 5, mm -hmm. at 9, 
2013. And there's a lot of unknown as well as developmental delay and uncertainty and the attachment issues. So yeah. to link that with the online stuff, it's a massive job for our carers. It, it's, it, they're doing two things at, at once. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we, we are talking there about, um, uh, we are talking there about brain development, aren't we? When you've said about mm. delay that, uh, that what we're actually talking about are children who navigate the world, whether that be mm. online or offline in a very different way. And obviously mm. these, these foster carers are almost working with, um, the the unknown risks so it's yeah. like an added an added layer so i'm just thinking about so when you when you go out to educate these foster carers what is it that you take to them what what do you do with them so obviously this might help in terms of broadening <clears throat> the way that this this kind of service is delivered to other carers mm. well my starting point whether i'm doing a one-to-one -one piece of work with a carer or a training <coughs> session for 30 people is all is is to look at the parenting style and to start with because I, I always think it's okay to look at the latest app and what the and what yeah. the knowledge is that that is covered that that is really important to gain knowledge but it's about taking it right down to what is your what is your parenting style and what is that different style to you yeah. and let's start with some reflection um, about that because unless you can think about how you parent as a foster carer and as a birth parent, which might be different, which might be similar, how can you yeah. then move that, to, not to the just to the online world, but to the offline world? And look at your values online. What, what, what do we think about the internet as an adult yeah. as well? And just yeah. start with that basis. Uh, well, that, that leads me very neatly on to asking you about um, the question that you had about um, digital parenting style. So this, yeah. is, this is the conversation that this I really... This is the really new bit. This is what I'm working on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> This was this was definitely sat over a cup of coffee and one of the yes. one of the most interesting things. So I'm just going to say, would you like to say about parenting styles, but digital parenting styles, and then how how that has an effect on um, yeah on on children, on uh, the foster carers, and what what people have found out about that. I think this is emerging and I think this is developing and I'm quite excited about this because I've been working for a few years now when I've been assessing foster carers as part of my social work role around parenting styles and how you parent a child who might have already been parented with a different parenting style to you. So you might be quite a laid back parent or you might be quite a strict parent and the child suddenly who comes into your home could have had neglectful parenting or very strict parenting and how the two match. So I'm very excited now to look at the stuff on digital parenting styles, which I know is coming in from some studies in America. I'm not aware of anything in this country yet yeah. that's been researched, but I'm putting it out there to our carers in the training by saying, well, these are the bits of research that are out now, such as the continuum for, you know, are you a, a, a controller online? Do you try and monitor everything? Or do you just let the child get on with it? Or where, where do you fit on that? So right now I'm excited about raising that awareness, but it's something that we've got to go into deeper and I think if you can yeah. think where you are right now then you know how you can change yeah um one, one of my earlier podcasts was with um uh, Eric Medina and he's a psychologist out in America and we we actually had a conversation about mm -hmm. that um you know the idea of when when you are parenting uh, I mean if we go back to parenting with your natural birth child mm -hmm. so that what we call the family of origin uh, yeah you, you have you have the way that you've always been parented so children will know what kind of things to talk about what kind of things not to talk about what kind of things to hide and in terms of foster care children mm. they they are with 
new parents and then yeah. digital parenting you know and, and whether you're um slightly authoritarian and you turn devices off and you take them off the child and whether you turn the wi-fi off and you know it's it's all of that kind of it, it's it's like a mishmash of lots of different things happening all at once mm. Mm. Uh, yeah i'm i'm i've not found anything on the uh, parenting styles either which is why um i kind of wanted to do this podcast with you <laughs> yeah so, Absolutely, absolutely, and I think that starting point has got to be the awareness. You've got to be able to say, "This is where I am now." Whether that's right or wrong for that child, you've got to know where you are. Yeah, yeah. So, what what do you find when you um, deliver this? Yeah, when you deliver this to foster carers, what would you say? Parents' knowledge is what would you say? Their their worries, fears, all all that kind of stuff. So, what what happens when you go out for a training day? Um, I think. People really are engaged in that discussion. And I usually have this discussion after the coffee break. <clears throat> so start off the session with a bit of updated knowledge or what are new in the apps, what are new trends, what are new technology, a bit of the knowledge. And then we have the coffee break where we turn the screen off and the PowerPoint can sit to, to one side and we actually talk. So we're trying to mimic that having a conversation about parenting, which can mimic having that conversation with a child. And everyone goes, wow. That was really nice to sit and talk rather than sit and look at a screen. So we're sort of mimicking the conversations that, that can go on. And I think most people can pinpoint roughly where mm. they are. And they can also pinpoint a different style for a different child, which goes back to the unknown. Goes back to the, well, actually, I've known this child for 10 years, so I pretty much can guess where they're coming from. But this new child who's only been with me a month, I'm not pretty sure what they're going to do. Yeah. And often you find... To start off with the more authoritarian approach and then relax it as they've got to know as they've got to know the child but it's about having that discussion it's about having that discussion about what works so what what do you think um i'm just thinking about when when i'm working with children who are um in, in therapy rather than this this online world yeah. what do you think the foster carers need to know when when that child is kind of brought to them because quite often that can be an emergency situation yeah, yeah. um and i'm just thinking about what 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 deficit do we have at the moment about knowledge in in terms of children parenting and then the digital parenting so it's, it's like this layered system yeah i i think the deficit still <clears throat> is we, we have a tendency to separate these worlds out we separate out the child's online world and the offline world as if they're two different things. And that's, and that's where we need to be bringing that back together. So if, yeah. you know, so if one of our carers has an emergency placement and a child's appeared at five o'clock, yes, they're, they're thinking, well, they might need some pajamas, a toothbrush. Where did they go to school? What time have they got to be at school? But also that child more than likely now is bringing with them a smartphone. They're, they're, yeah. they're, bringing, they're probably bringing with them a host of accounts online. They might even have their tablet. And it's about integrating those together and what that child's needs. Yes, that child needs to be warm, they need to be fed, but they also might have a need to connect with their friends, which if they've then been online for the past X amount of years and that's their evening routine, then that might be something that helps them feel safe. Just as yeah. a hot chocolate and biscuits before bed is going to do. I think it's about bringing them these two worlds back together um, yeah. into, into keeping the child safe, not seeing them as two separate things yeah I, I was just thinking then actually about um so hopefully one of the other people i'm going to be able to interview is um helen oakwater 
because mm. she's talked about yeah. um, kind of adopted children and the, and the risks and the issues that we yeah. have with so the, the smartphone not only is it going to be the smartphone that allows the, the child to contact friends and so on but there's the family and obviously with a foster yeah. care situation that that puts a slightly different tangent Absolutely. on on uh, yeah so so in terms of kind of when when the child turns up do you think we need to have a um maybe some sheets or something for these foster care parents do you think there needs to be mandatory training do, what's your opinion on this one? Oh well that's a that's a difficult <laughs> one that you put yeah. me right on the spot there there Kath. i think i think um as an agency we have basic guidance you know <clears> one of them is about that child's phone staying downstairs on a night but i think that's always tough to implement especially on the first night of placement um and, yeah. it, and eventually it gets to be a bit of a balance you know what's okay for a 12 year old might not be okay at 17 if that child's that's their that's their life or that's their lifestyle already um yeah. i think it's going to be a bit of a let's play it cautiously to, to see but it's most important to make that child feel safe and, and secure and yes there might be overarching risk there might be a risk yeah. that's going to be abducted from placement and if the child has the phone they're going to say where where they are there's so many risks to weigh up um at that point yeah placement which could be very different from two or three years in and as you're growing with the child yeah, I'm. I'm kind of thinking actually. I mean, you, your foster care cooperative is obviously one one fostering agency, but I'm. I'm just thinking about local authorities. Yeah. And obviously, um, this is now becoming a podcast where I'm kind of doing a bit of thinking mm. in terms of actually, this should be mandatory training for all foster carers for oh, absolutely who to adopt. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I know that we we kind of we're having discussions up and down the country about whether whether parents need to be doing this and whether mm. the tech savvy parents coming through will also be in a in a place to understand this. But I'm I'm thinking about when we when we educate foster carers, what we do is mm. we we go out, we speak to them, we say, mm. okay, you want to be a foster carer. These are the mm. prefixes that you will need. Yeah, to be able to empathise. Um, you know, X Y Z. But I also think there needs to be something about, and you need to be um, doing something around online safety. Not not saying that you understand it, but there needs to be some form of course or education. Or uh, I'm just thinking about that would actually be more beneficial for children over the over the next five ten years than mm. than what we've currently got, which is child with no history who suddenly turns up on the doorstep, and this set of parents has got to try and manage a child with no history but also with a smartphone which comes with a history mm. oh absolutely and I'm, this is something that within foster care cooperative we're certainly mm. working on at the moment as to how yeah. again integrate that into the assessment process and again my style of training is, <clears throat> is a balance between information and experience so yeah. I, when I'm doing assessments which I don't do many of now but I, I still do a few is to well let's start off we'll commu I'll communicate with the applicants by text by email but and we'll look at what apps they use what their social media use is like mm. you know and some people are you know are, are IT experts some of our foster carers have got a degree in IT and, and technology and, and others haven't so it's a, it's a massive continuum but I do think there's got to be at the point of assessment a baseline of basic skills and knowledge to support that that young person and that is something yeah. we're certainly looking at during the during that assessment process um, yeah yeah I, 
yeah my head's gone off on one slightly about well actually in terms of who foster cares at the moment mm. I, I doubt I don't have any evidence for this mm. I'm, I'm just doing a thinking thing I doubt there's anybody under the age of 25 who fosters I think many of them are going to be of the pre-internet age aren't they just because mm. be a little bit older before you start taking on other people's children and, and kind of opening your house to to this system so I'm just thinking in terms of the people who do need to know this are pre-internet, apart from those obviously with the IT degrees. Yeah, I, I, think, I think it's a balance. You know, <coughs> I, I certainly think for, from our agency, the majority of our carers are from late, late 20s upwards. We've got a, a big age, age range. Um, but I also think there's an issue as well for carers who have got birth children and carers who come to, to us to want to foster and they might already have a five-year-old, 10-year-old, a 15-year-old of their own and it's then putting another child in that family with that child's in internet usage and risks and vulnerabilities online in, in an already established family. Mm -hmm. Because if you're, as a parent, happily letting your birth 10-year-old have accounts and smartphones, but suddenly you're restricting that for another child, that child's going to be asking questions. So sometimes it's trickier to manage in, in families with birth children. Um, mm. But again, it's about having those conversations and exploring like the whys and what does this mean for that child and will that keep the child safe or why, why have we made that decision that we have for that child? Yeah, and actually, and that brings me on to the other part of the conversation <laughs> that we had over coffee about, yeah. you know, how, how interesting it is to see, to see the world of um, carers and parents with with their own children mm. and with foster care children or with their own children adopted children yeah. and the way that the images are then shared you know so so mm. we had a conversation about some parents will take pictures of yes. their children but not of the foster care child mm. and how how this can actually produce really a segregation and and obviously I'm just going to stick with my attachment theory because I love it um there is something about and then what does that do to that child's self self yeah understanding of who they are in the world their attachment yeah. style um and and how how if you don't put pictures of the foster care child on that can cause an issue but if you also do that can cause mm. an issue. yeah oh and and this is a, a new part of the training course this year is to have a big discussion on sharing team which was yeah. my blog one of the blogs earlier in in the year where I wrote about about that as a as a new concept and I'll put a slide up and it'll say sharing team in big letters and I'll say what do you think about that? And mm. then when we unpick it, we, we do have a policy of foster care cooperative that we don't put pictures of the child on social media. Certainly not without permission from those from parental responsibility. It's something mm. that, that, that we don't do. But it does raise issues for family holidays or Christmas Day or family barbecues. But we have to look at that for each individual child. But we do, in our policy, have a no uploading policy to keep children safe. Um, mm -hmm. As, as, a, as, a, as a starting starting point but as you know now what social media has been strong for 10 years plus we could have children already coming to our carers who already already have their images being shared yeah. online they may already have a massive digital footprint on google images we don't know they already may yeah. have that presence already there yeah and, and and obviously nobody can predict where, where you will be with your family of origin in 10 years time and, and this is one of the things that I think makes this whole online world much much more complicated um, I was going to talk about actually and the traumas that happened from it but I'm going to I think I'll do that one with Helen because that's actually the, the mm. focus of um, 
her book really but but this this is yeah this is such an important part for these children they have a past as well mm. whether they've shared the images or their parents have because actually all of these children have a set of parents before coming to foster care parents yeah. absolutely yeah and they have an online and they have an oh, online yeah. life yeah could have been safe could have been risky just as they've had an offline life which could have been positive could have been neglectful we don't we, there's so many again it's going back to the un, un, unknowns yeah but yeah we've and we've got to put the two together yes and I, i'm just thinking and that's the information that we would we would be really uh, wise to have Ooh. before taking children so it's almost like having um uh, the continuity or, or having some form of chronology report that mm. we quite often ask for so when when children come into therapy i ask for these chronology reports because they're really important and what i have started to do is to say and what what's happened in the past online and offline because yeah. actually that informs what i'm doing in therapy and i'm just thinking mm. this is this is so so much bigger than the conversation we're having actually mm. this needs to be in social care work across mm. the country this needs to be about when you go to do an assessment on a child before removing them moving them or whatever it is not only do we need to be looking much much more deeply in attachment theory we need to be looking at why this is so important mm. particularly when you look at this online offline perspective i think mm. that's my opinion anyway um which obviously is about um maybe me and you teaming up and doing training uh, that might be a good idea but secondly there's also something about this this is a bigger bigger system than we've actually prepared for and i'm just thinking about all of the children that are currently in these kinds of settings and and what what's happening for them you know what happens when they go to school and it's mother's day and other children are sharing images and images are being shared by parents and uh, i'm just thinking about the effect that this actually has on uh, a child's well-being mm. and i know going back to when i had my school governor head on how the school would manage school trips and assemblies and, yeah. and and those kind of issues as well was a what what was was a factor um, for, for, for for everyone. But what's sprung into my mind as you've been talking then, Kath, is about this such grey area. Well, I'm saying grey area of age restrictions because because people think it's black and white, but it, yeah. but it isn't. <clears throat> And I think as well, we get too hung up. And that's what I've noticed through, through training is, well, they're not 13 or they're not 16 uh, without thinking about the developmental age of the child. Mm -hmm. you know, we know that age restrictions are just an American marketing ploy at the moment to sell data and everything. We're not going there. But, <laughs> but people just get hung up on, they're not 13, as if on the child's 13th birthday, suddenly, it's suddenly okay. But it might not be. We could have a... A Ten-year-old who can navigate quite safely and responsibly, and a sixteen-year-old who who can't. Um, but I just think that is another factor that we have to think about as well. All right. Well, well, uh, kind of. Thank you very much for kind of uh, veering off into. That's exactly what I write about. Yeah. This is why I talk about cyber trauma, because chronological age does not mean the same developmental age, mm -hmm. nor does it mean the same uh, cognitive age, nor does it mean the same social, emotional etc etc mm. so yeah the age the age restriction things is probably one of the other areas that i rant about quite a lot um so yeah i i think that this this is why we need to be teaching this stuff it's not just about um what a child is doing online this is why i talk about that vulnerability mm. it's the verb yeah. it's what you're doing 
based on who you are, what your history is, what your developmental stages have been, and where your developmental arrest occurs. Mm. This, is, this is, you know, for foster care children, they have attachment trauma. So mm. they are not going to be, all of them, very, uh, almost at their chronological age in terms mm. of developmental issues and in terms of emotional uh, intelligence, social intelligence, and what they're actually able to do, regardless of the academic kind of thing that sits yeah. in the background. So I think... You know, again, I can kind of see we're going to slightly veer off, so I'm going to bring it back. This yeah. is this is the difference about what education teaches children. You know, don't talk to strangers, and then you know, I mean, if I think about how we met, it was talking online, and then absolutely, we you know we met up to go to a conference, and, uh, mm-hmm. and you know, and I do that all the time. So mm-hmm. it's it's not about don't do this. It's about this is how this child needs help. So it needs to be maybe more individualistic. Yeah, absolutely. And I think some of the messages mm. are quite blanket and they get absorbed. Don't meet up with anyone you've met online. Well, actually, no. How could you do that safely and yes. make start making that assessment? And often, if, if carers will ask me and say, oh, they've been chatting to somebody online. Well, it's somebody in this school. So well, why don't they have a phone call first? Or even ask, remember I had that conversation with a young person. Mm. You know, I've met someone, you know, they seem really nice and I want to meet up with them and uh, but they've got the next school. Well, how can we do that safely? Well, have you, why don't we talk to them first? And then I get this look, talk to them. Well, we could have a phone conversation first. You could ring them and, and let's put that step in place, not just this blanket, don't meet up with anyone. And then each step we go through can filter out any risks and, and dangers step by step by step. Yeah, yeah. Well, that that's that's going to be. Um, hopefully, I'm going to talk to somebody about the the grooming process as well. Mm. Actually, I think we've we've got that the wrong way around at the moment in terms of the the messages that we actually send out are this is what not to do. But actually, what we need to be maybe talking to children about is how do you recognise what to do and what yes. That's that's the critical thinking, isn't it? So mm. yeah. I, I can see that your your training's got like two levels. Mm. in terms of when you're speaking to parents uh foster care parents obviously yeah. um, that what what you're bringing to them is this is what the child's history is and this is how you can help them navigate safely mm. uh, it, it's not about don't don't let them do anything don't let them talk to people do it safely um, absolutely yeah, yeah. It, it, it's let's have those conversations mm. and bring mm-hmm. it back down to, to to talking about it and looking at that child that individual child's needs and looking at, you know, what is the issue? And I always sometimes say, if I'm having a maybe a one-to-one discussion, what what would you do if that was a, dis- a dilemma? What would you do in the offline world? <clears throat> you know, if a child's wanting yeah. to to go online and make a comparison between going off to the park or to to the local shopping centre, would you let them do it offline? Well, and then if I get the answer yes, well, let's talk it through. What? How would you make that? How have you made that decision? Well. They, they know how to cross the road, they know where to get the bus, yeah. they know not to talk to anyone when they're in town shopping. And th- they've gone through that step-by-step risk assessment in their heads to make it safe for that child to be allowed to go into town on the bus or to go to the local park. Mm. So let's put that logic onto the online world. Let's yeah. go do it step-by-step, just as we have done. And sometimes yeah. them conversations can help make a decision yeah. and make thinking. Yeah. Yeah, definitely, and 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 in terms of where, where I'm just thinking of uh, when I, when I'm talking about that. So when I when I sit with children in the therapy group, we have the conversations about and what what happened when you made that decision, and what mm. happened when you made that decision. Um, and this is this is where I kind of came up with the polyvagal theory being in in um, uh, 
slightly disconnected when we're doing stuff online so mm. it's about actually teaching for me this would be where I would go in and speak with children and say okay let's have a look at you get all of this bodily awareness and you get all of these signs and um, intuitive moments what, you know what happens when you're doing it online and they get mm. slightly slightly misdirected and then bringing that back because actually that is the biggest in um, kind of precursor to a child knowing whether to do something or not mm. and parents know this as well you know this is we are going back into the um i'm going to go woo woo part of the universe we all know this stuff it's mm. just it's been knocked out by the fact that we're so busy online we don't have the time to reflect so i'm, I'm just thinking about how how parents do know this so that that kind of conversation that you have with them you know when when you've said would you let them do this in real life actually it's about slow down Mm. Yeah, microseconds slow down you know not not have um big arguments but that's all about emotional regulation and mm. bringing it back to uh, uh, how do we look at this how do we move through this particular yeah. section of what's what's happening um and again i might just ask a question mainly because I'm, I'm not so sure on this but do foster carers get this kind of attachment parenting do they get the the um the the way that they can actually help a child regulate themselves as well as themselves um i've probably answered my own question in my own head because um i think this is one of the issues that we have at the minute is the parenting style that we've had maybe over the last 40 50 years has become more technological and we're so busy mm. we're actually disconnected slightly yeah yeah D disconnected from doing things alongside children rather than doing things for children mm. or to control or to, to it's almost parenting has become synonymous with reward and consequence and it's moving from that behavioral yeah. model to actually doing things alongside and having and having conversations but i think you know i think from foster care cooperative we have a quite an extensive training package we look at you know from our core training looks at the attachment mm. model for our carers and as well another one of the courses that i run is the safer caring course which again is mm -hmm. run every two to three years, like the e-safe in digital parenting. And what the shift I've looked at recently is that move from make that child being safe, which is a part of fostering. So have you got your safety certificate for your boiler, your MOT for your car, and your house yeah. is being checked? That 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 doesn't that yes, that child is safe in the house. But how how do we then take it the next level up to that child feeling safe? And yes. that's linked in again it's about drawing everything back back together because a gas safety certificate doesn't make that child feel safe it ticks it ticks a box that the house is, is safe which is needed yeah. and i'm not saying that's wrong that's fine but i'm saying we have to take that to the next level and say how do we as parents as carers make that child feel safe yeah. Uh, well, I want to go amen to the polyvagal theory because yeah. that is what that, <laughs> essentially that is, ex mm. is exactly what we're talking about. So I'm, uh, you know, and I'm just going to say for the people who listen to this, I actually I rolled at the positive ne negative consequences part that you mentioned. Yeah. Actually, yeah, we're not we're not doing um, behavioural psychology anymore in this day and age, are we? But absolutely, actually, there's a lot yeah. of parents who do parent that way. Mm. Yeah, um, and I still think you know if that's the way we've been parented, that's the default unless you're prepared to explore and look at your style and, and question it and reflect. And there's no better time than under a fostering assessment that you actually get that time to think and reflect and question. Yeah. Because it's a yeah. precious amount of time to think, actually, what could I change? What will I change? Was the way I was parented right? Or the, 
or for applicants who have got grown-up birth children, actually, if I did it again, what would I, what would have changed and society has moved on? Yeah, I have worked with a few foster carers who have said, but actually I've brought children up successfully. And I've said, well, the internet didn't exist then. Mm. But, and that's one of the shifts, isn't it? Is It's not just technologically, it's about parenting and generational shifts and all of the, all of the other kind of mm. things we might need to tap into. So what I'm going to do then, Lynn, is put in the show notes your, your blog. Yeah. I'm definitely going to put the, the link to uh, kind of the digital parenting styles. A, because I think that was the, one of the conversations that, yeah, this needs to be out there a lot, lot more. It does. Um, it's one of the reasons why, um, and I'm just going to go on a, a slight um, marketing ploy for myself a second. It's why I'm doing some of the digital parenting 101 questions. Because I sit with the children in therapy, mm. what I do get a parent saying, but what about this, Kath? What about this? Mm. And unfortunately, I'm there to do psychotherapy with the children. Yeah. What I've started to do is say, okay, what I'm going to do is um, run Eventbrite meetings. I'll do webinars. I'll do Facebook check-ins mm. so that I can answer some of these questions. And mm. do you know what? I don't have all of the answers. But what I do know is how to make a child feel safe, how to actually have a conversation with a parent about their parenting style mm. in terms of what we've just discussed so, so this might be, actually, I'm just thinking about, we could actually do one of these together and bring foster carers on as well. Yeah. Um, and it can be like an ask, I don't know, let's call it an ask me anything 101. Mm. Um, mm. Do something along the lines of what questions do you think parents really, really want to ask that they're too frightened to, mm. and then how can we help? Um, yeah. Because, you know, parenting digitally is not just following, I don't know, social psychology or behavioral psychology. It's about interpersonal neurobiology it's about connections it's about the history it's it's a lot lot bigger than you know this is this is the way that parents have parented over the last few I don't know taking a sociology yeah, book yeah. off the, the shelf there is something about um I'm, I'm very driven by the interpersonal neurobiology approach mm. and by creating that safety because when you have safety you have trust when mm. you have trust you've got conversations and then you are alongside your child rather than above them, making it a massive power differential. Yeah, no, I, I, absolutely. I'm completely with you there. And that's the advice we would give. Connect, yeah. do it alongside. Just as you bake a cake with your, with your child and you do everything step by step, measuring the ingredients out, be careful with the oven, I'll put it in the oven this time so I know you can, all them step by steps. Yeah. It's the same, get your laptop out, get the tablet out, the smartphone out, and let's do it side yeah. by side by side you won't just yeah. put a child in the kitchen with the ingredients weighed out and let them get on with it for the first time in the in the cooker and when we think of analogies like that if we can connect alongside online absolutely i'm just thinking there. yeah it's uh, um dan siegel's book you know with the with the whole yeah. connect and then redirect and all, all of those kinds of phrases that are really really helpful mm. when it comes to this this kind of parenting and i think what we have done is we've moved forward in in terms of time and but this technology is something that nobody understood before. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I just wanted to mention as well, because we said we mentioned about the conference that obviously we were at a couple of, couple mm. of weeks ago. And the blog I managed just to get out just before Easter um, was a little bit of a review from the conference. But yeah. also something that stuck in my mind, what you said to me at the conference was from the ground up. And those words have stuck. And, you know, I just feel so privileged to be, in the position I am, this comes back to your first question of why I do it, because to be able to do that training, a bit of research, 
um, a bit of development, but still be working on the ground with the young people, really hit home at the conference to be able to think, actually, yeah, I'm really proud to be doing the work I do for Foster yeah. Care Cooperative. And I've put on the latest blog my email address and say if any other fostering organisations or any other foster carers have got any questions, the blogs are public, they're on the public part of the FCC website, they're not private to the organisation. And if there's any questions or any ideas, then get in touch and, yeah. and drop me an email. And let's disseminate information. Absolutely. You know, I'm not protective yeah. about something. It's, if it's out there on the internet, it's public and you want to ask me anything about it, ask me about it. Uh, yeah, and I'm, I'm, yeah, well, I'm just going to have a rant about the, uh, can, well, I'm, I'm a, a clinical practitioner, but I'm also a clinical researcher. So one of the things is, is that the stuff that I have published, it goes off and it goes into a journal. So I was saying to somebody the other day and it's out in America. Yeah. So one of the things I did do was I went and did some um, uh, open access research. And that's, that's one of the things as well, isn't it? Is when we, when we get this understanding, we get this knowledge, this is where I kind of mm. rant from the ground up. We need to be taking it out and passing that information on, not keeping it. Um, I am going to quote, who was it that said this? Vittorio Galesi, it was at the yeah. Trauma Congress the other year. We should not be putting barriers to research and hiding it behind paywalls and hiding it behind what I'm going to call the academic arsery of this is our research and we're not going to mm -hmm. share it. Because actually it's when, when research is shared that people learn. Mm. And, and hence that's why I'm doing this podcast that's why I'm bringing people like yourselves on and I would recommend any foster carers to kind of pass this on to their agencies pass it yeah. on to maybe even teams of teams of parents where they say I'll tell you what let's get together let's have Lynn come down and talk you know there's there's only a few of us um we need more of this because actually if we do it like the cocktail um mm. party syndrome and it passes down although that's to do with hearing your name um uh, it, the kind of cocktail glasses where it passes yeah, down. Yeah, yeah. Train the trainer, as they call it, isn't yeah. it? This is how we can educate people, and this is what this is what we really need. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I feel like we've gone and had a bit of a rant on this one again. It's uh, it's turning. I'm I'm not even sure I should be renaming this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> to, yeah. Well, it's it's not it's not academic. It's opinions, and it's about mm. having candid conversations. And I think this is exactly what we're saying. Mm. Um, this was one of the conversations that we had Absolutely. before the conference, at the conference, mm. is actually parents have a lot of the, the evidence. Parents have a lot of the teachings. We should be sitting with them and getting lots and lots and lots of feedback, you know, up and down the country, across the world. Yeah. Because this, this is not going to go away. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So... Thank you very much for coming on, Lynn. Thank you um, for inviting me. Yeah, um, I think we're, we can definitely have another catch-up now with coffee and think about what we might talk about in the next one, because um, that's what I'm tending to do now. Obviously, meeting people off the internet, <laughs> going and having coffees and then discussing. Doing it safely in a public place. Yeah, <laughs> yeah usually at conferences where, where I'm surrounded by lots of other people who've done exactly the same, followed Absolutely. an email. Yeah. Oh, brilliant. Right. Okay. Thank you very much for your time, uh, Lynn. And I will put your details, foster care cooperatives, um, your blogs, all of those kind of things wow. into um, the show notes. And then anybody who wants to get in contact with you can do. Yeah. Um, and then just for me to say right at the end of this, um, don't forget to share, like, retweet, um, pass this around on, on um, you know, your social media profiles and say, listen to this. Have you heard this? This is how it gets noticed. This is how the ratings go up. Also, 
please leave reviews. Apparently, I've got to have a certain number of reviews on iTunes before it will come up with the ratings. So I, I've kind of been a little bit, <gasps> nobody's rating it, but actually they are doing. You just need a certain number of them for it to um, show up. So if you wouldn't mind doing that, don't forget, um, it's five stars, obviously, um, because this is uh, <laughs> candid conversations, as you say. Um, thank you very much, Lynn. And um, for everybody else, I shall see you next week.